Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And I am just full, so full of commentary this second. Uh, so many things I want to talk about, so many things I want to get to. 100 days, the first Biden address to Congress. Uh, new administration, totally new tone. A lot less entertaining. And wow, there's just so much going on. The number 89 should stick out at you right now. The mayor's race in New York City. The fight that is going on with regard to endorsements from Rebbes in Borough Park and other Jewish potentates. Taxing, spending, voting. I mean, there's just so much to talk about today that I thought I could just spend a lot of it talking about it myself. And yeah, I mean, it's just time for one of those for one of those discussions, just me and you talking about politics, thinking about politics and thinking about where the direction this country is going, the way this direction this world is going. And uh, wow. Well, so much going on. So I want to stop, start by uh, defending the honor of my friend and colleague, Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet. And I want to start by just talking about the fact that, and why, why do I defend her honor? Um, I defend her honor because I want to say that she got her second vaccine yesterday. She got her second vaccine yesterday, and she's being attacked. She posted it on Instagram. Wonderful. Thousands, if not millions of others have done that. And they've posted it on Instagram, and they've said, you know what? I'm doing this. Maybe follow my example. Maybe not. Again, free country. Although I do think that you definitely have an issue if you're not willing to go out of your way to protect other people. So if you're not going to get vaccinated, you should take lots of precautions uh, in order not to infect others. So the people who don't vaccinate, you know, and don't wear a mask and insist on being in large crowds and insist on spreading the virus. But let me just start by saying the vicious attacks on somebody who gets vaccinated in our community. To talk about the idea somehow that they're hurting themselves. See, this is the strange thing about the anti-vaxxers, is that they want to have the choice themselves about whether they should have to vaccinate. They feel it's choice. But then when people go out and get vaccinated, they don't want them to have the choice because they say that they are committing this grievous sin against themselves and against society because vaccination is so awful, such terrible, such a terrible sin against themselves and against everybody else. So which one is it? You have choice. You don't have choice. If I have choice, I should be able to do it. I should be able to talk about it. I should be able to advertise it. I should be able to encourage other people to vaccinate in the same way that you are discouraging people from vaccinating. If you want to hold the libertarian argument of 
I don't want to be forced to do things, then why do you not allow other people to have that argument? But on top of that, they say, well, don't vaccinate because we have all these treatments. Nowadays, you can get COVID and you can be totally fine. Nobody dies anymore of COVID. It's not a serious disease anymore. It's just like the flu. It's just like the cold. Don't bother. Well, by the way, we do have vaccine for the flu. So, and the reason many times the flu season is not so deadly is because many people do get vaccinated. And having had COVID myself, I will tell you, it's not something you want to get. Even if you don't end up in the hospital, even if you don't end up in a ventilator, even if you do not end up dead. But we know people have died and we know people have been on ventilators and we know people who are on ventilators now. So why would somebody not want to protect themselves? And then talk about the go back to the hydroxychloroquine. I mean, come on, haven't we put that one to bed already? Even the president's, I mean, the former president, President 45, President Trump's, he doesn't talk about hydroxychloroquine anymore. That's just totally off the table. I mean, I see these comments on Instagram against Naomi Nachman, a regular person. She doesn't claim to be a scientist. She's following scientific advice. She's following medical advice. What reputable doctors are there out there who actually, in the scientific community, who actually tell people, that they are committing some kind of grievous sin by vaccinating. Probably none. You know, we can look to Israel and look at the data that actually exists at this point about a society that has gone ahead and, by and large, vaccinated. I mean, it's quite incredible. The other day, Israel had zero, zero, that's a zero, that's a big zero, COVID deaths. Nobody died from COVID in one day. And now we've been so hardened with the news of covid like we don't even think about it we don't even think about the fact that hundreds of thousands of people have died here in the united states i remember way back a year ago the idea that even a hundred thousand people would die or two hundred thousand people would die was an astonishing number it's been more than half a million 59 percent of israelis are vaccinated 99.1% of Israelis aged 90 and over are vaccinated. 60 and over, it's over 90%. And guess what? That's most of the people who have died from COVID are people who are older. So if you don't want to protect yourself, okay. You know, I I am not going to be the guy to force you. I'm clearly not going to convince you. Clearly not the people who are posting on Naomi Nachman's Instagram feed. And the people who are attacking doctors and attacking scientists and this whole idea of, oh, Fauci, 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 some kind of mortal enemy. And let me just point out 
And I know I sound a little bit angry here because I am, because it's uh, unbelievable who people in our own from community are making common cause with. The anti-vax community has been attacking as a talking point, has been attacking Fauci because he has taken money from Israel. He took he got a one million dollar prize for science. From Israel. He got a scientific prize. And they say, oh, he's on the take. Guess who he's on the take of? The Jews. Us. Right? That's who you're that's who you're railing against. Because the same people that you are making common cause with, those same people at their core are believing these conspiracy theories that the Jews are controlling the world and the vaccine is a way for them to control it. It's those same fringe theories. It's like Marjorie Taylor Greene with the Jewish space lasers. And of course she says, I didn't know the Rothschilds were Jewish and I've said this before. We probably have the one person out there that I can think of in the public sphere who did not know that the Rothschild family was Jewish. The most famous Jewish family in the last 500 years, and she didn't know it. Of course, that's what they say. Oh, I didn't know. I just say these things. Like, I didn't know that Fauci, the idea, the allegation of taking a million dollars from Israel and that allegation would somehow be anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm just anti-Zionist. I'm just for questioning we have to ask the questions that's what they always say we have to ask the questions people should be questioning they should be getting the other side of things well guess what what's the other side of things the other side of things is that in israel a state that we love and we feel attached to they have had plummeting case counts even as they've loosened restrictions and we all want the restrictions to be lifted we all want to be Normal. We all want to go back to normalcy. We all want to be able to resume our lives. Maskless. Gathering. With people. With family. With friends. We all want that. What's the best way to do that? Everybody agrees in the scientific community. Vaccine. But you don't want people to take the vaccine and you attack them for doing it. But you, And you don't want them to be able to choose. Even though you want to be able to choose. It's absurd. It is absolutely, positively absurd. We all want normalcy. The way to get to normalcy is through getting vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. I'm not going to force you. But don't threaten other people. Don't threaten other people who do get vaccinated, who want to be smart, who want to follow medical science, who want to take care of themselves and take care of their family and take care of their loved ones and take care of their society. Don't attack them. Don't attack a good person like Naomi Nachman. And I'm sure I didn't tell her that I'm doing this this morning and I hope that she's not upset with me for going out there and defending her. It's just shameful what I saw on her Instagram feed. And I'm not often on Instagram. And I think if I would be, I'd probably be more shocked by some of the drivel, the nonsense, the utter nonsense that's being posted out there. Oh, don't take the COVID vaccine. We have plenty of treatments right now. Why are you poisoning yourself? 
as I said, just a couple days ago, Israel had zero reported COVID deaths. And isn't that what we all want? And there's no question scientifically and empirically that any rational, sane person, logical person would understand that that is because of the high vaccination rates that they have in Israel. Okay, I have to cut to the president's speech for a second. And wow, I mean, what a what a shocking picture. I mean, that, taking social distancing to a real extreme. Everybody's wearing masks and they couldn't, I mean, that room was empty. I mean, so much so that it just kind of felt like the dress rehearsal. It felt like, okay, he's given the speech a little bit and we have a couple people there. But, like, there was nobody there. There was no energy. It was a sleeper. In fact, Ted Cruz did fall asleep. I think C-SPAN had him falling asleep during the speech. Now, maybe that was by design because they kept cutting to Ted Cruz for some reason. I don't even know why Ted Cruz was there. I mean, I don't know. He didn't stand up. He didn't clap, obviously. I'm sure he wasn't happy with anything he said. I mean, why sit through that? Now, it was really long. I think it was supposed to be 45, 50 minutes, ended up being more than an hour. And, you know... This is tax, classic tax and spend liberalism that's going on here. I mean, this country is going in a whole new direction. As uh, Senator Tim Scott said, I thought in a very decent rebuttal, very good rebuttal, although the camera work seemed a little bit off, but I didn't like the angle. But that's always the case because you're the only person in the room. It's kind of it's kind of weird. But anyway, he talked about the socialist dreams. And that's really what this is. I mean, we're going to take money from the rich. We're going to give it to the poor and the middle class, et cetera. We're going to hike taxes. We're going to disencourage people from having private investment and all that. And, you know, Bernie's happy. Bernie is happy. That's Bernie Sanders there, I have to say. Uh, the problem for Republicans is that Joe Biden is a very likable guy, and a lot of these policies are very popular, even with the Republican rank and file, because over the last you know, four years of Trump, Republicans have abandoned most of their orthodoxies. And I think that you know the politics are very interesting about that, because clearly the Republican base wants more spending. They want more money in their pockets. They want more trade protectionism. They want a lot of things, and they don't want cuts to entitlement programs, and that is what Joe Biden is giving them. Now, let's see if the more conservative Democrats will go along with that. Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, some of the others. Will they go ahead and do that? There's a lot of giveaways, a lot of goodies in there. A lot, a lot of goodies. And, well, you know, the empty chamber was was weird. But there was lots of red meat for, or I'd say blue meat, whatever, out there if you are a Democrat. But let's look for a second. I, I you know, don't have a lot of time today for uh, going through the speech because there's a lot I want to cover. And we started off talking about vaccination and something I very, very believe very strongly in. Uh you know, we're going in a direction that we you know, if infrastructure and government spending smartly on things was something we could believe in and that would actually happen with Joe Biden and his administration, I think a lot of Republicans can get on board with it. The problem is, is that when you have the idea that infrastructure is also direct payments to people, is 
paid maternity leave, paid family leave, all these nice things, nice programs. Infrastructure is also way, you know, hiking the minimum wage. Infrastructure is also uh, home health care payments and this kind of stuff. It's not. I mean, that's not what infrastructure is. Infrastructure is our airports, our roads, our bridges, our trains. That's what infrastructure is. And I think the other thing about the big theme that we have to talk that, you know, Tim Scott did talk about was race. And I don't think it's a secret that, you know, as the most prominent Republican African-American in the country, Tim Scott gave the rebuttal in a time very fraught with race. And I don't think Republicans can hide from it that we have, that the party has kind of its way to exploit racial divisions in many cases, unfortunately. And I think that he had a great line there. And I got to read it verbatim. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids again are being taught that the color of their skin defines them. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different discrimination. And it's wrong to try and use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. And I will add here, he said, and I think that this is the real issue right now with this whole voting rights thing in Georgia, which clearly none of the, including Joe Biden, including President Biden, and others in the administration did not read, and most Democrats who condemned Georgia did not read, Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat, and so do voters, which is true. Most voters support voter ID, and for those who can't get ID, having other methods of getting identified. There is no reason whatsoever that somebody should be able to just walk up to the polls, get a ballot, say whoever they say they are, and vote. Why? You can't do that with any other government program. There's no reason that we should not have the ability to secure our elections. And that doesn't mean racism. And it shouldn't mean racism. But what Senator Scott is talking about is a much bigger issue. This woke culture of the idea that all white people are bad that's now being taught in many schools, particularly you know, universities and private schools and elite private schools. That's now tremendous backlash against. I mean, that kind of thing it literally is tearing America apart. It's teaching children that we are dividing the whole world into the oppressed and the oppressors and that you are inherently racist if you're white. And you have that white privilege. And there's no way out of it. You don't need, you're subconsciously racist, even if you don't think you're racist. Why would we want to inculcate our children with that message? 
and this diversity consultant business. Oh, wow. Not even going to get into that. Okay, two more things I got to talk about today. Number one, the number 89. I said it before. You're thinking, what, 89? What is that, 1989? No, 89 people. That's the difference between Minnesota and New York. If the census counted 89 more people in New York, New York would not have lost a congressional seat. And for all those who didn't participate in the census out there, who didn't fill out their census form or go online or respond to the multiple, multiple times that people said, please fill out your census form. Well, if you want to know why Minnesota kept their one of their congressional seats and New York did not, it's because in New York, 60, less than 65% of the population responded to the census. And in Minnesota, 75% did. And 89 people right there, 89 people to count would have meant billions and billions of dollars for New York State and a congressional seat. And now we will begin the great dance of reapportionment in New York to see who is the odd person out. Now, it's interesting, of course, that my friend Lee Zeldin, now running for governor, is walking away from, well, seems to be walking away from his congressional seat. That could make it easier. Tom Reed, upstate Republicans, going to retire. You know, you might say, okay, the red states, they'll gain Republicans and the blue states will, you know, potentially lose Democrats. Well, it's not probably not what's going to happen, probably because Democrats control the redistricting process in New York. They are going to get rid of a Republican. Um, you have to see how it shakes out. It's not automatic, this idea. But I will say the shift means that Republicans have an opportunity potentially to gain. If you took the same electoral college and you fix that for next time, Joe Biden wins 303 electoral votes instead of 306. So you see well, there's definitely a trend, and there has been a trend for decades now of people moving to lower tax states, to lower regulation states, to states where it's easier to make money and keep that money and keep that money. Next time around in 2030, please fill out your census forms if you're still in New York by then. Hard to know. Okay, mayor's race. Last item on the agenda. The mayor's race. Wow. Andrew Yang endorsed by a coalition of Askanim Kehillos. We'll call them in Borough Park. It's a big, num- big number. A big deal. And Eric Adams comes back with a list of people who may or may not have endorsed him, throws that back at him. So it's clear Yang and Adams are in the lead right now to get the Orthodox Jewish vote. Scott Stringer, strangely enough, goes to Borough Park this week, meets with a bunch of Kehillos who then the next day go ahead and endorse Andrew Yang. Uh, Scott Stringer's had a terrible week. The funny thing about Scott Stringer, and look, I, I... you know, I, I friends with these guys, and I'm not making fun of them at all. But he he goes to Borough Park with a a number. I don't have to name them, but he's surrounded by advisors, friends, people who are rabid Trump fans. Now Scott Stringer going for the most progressive guy in the race, and he's got people with him, literally walking around with him, being seen in pictures, taking pictures as the validator, right? You have to have the pictures. Like, you stand with some of these guys because to show that you have Jewish support, his Jewish supporters are literally people who have tweeted that Trump is the real president, and that Trump was the best president ever. So, I love the... 
it's the politics makes strange bedfellows story over and over again. But the question is, does anyone in the Stringer campaign ever look? I mean, I know their interview with Hamodia was an utter disaster. We, 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 we interviewed the reporter there. But do you do any homework with regard to the Orthodox community? Now, I think that's good. Trump plays well in the Orthodox community, if that's what you want. But then, is it worth the backlash, potentially, from other progressives? But he has bigger problems. He's been accused of sexual harassment. We'll have to see where the Stringer campaign goes. Very, uh, very interesting things going on with that. And by and large, a couple people did, including Chaim David Zubel, kind of repudiated the fact that he had endorsed Eric Adams and it was portrayed as such. So, well, we'll just have to see. So I do want to talk about voting for a second because I do want to just end with this idea that they moved the All-Star game to Coors Field and... In, de- in Colorado. Now, Colorado has more restrictive voting laws than does Georgia. And Coors Field is not exactly, and the Coors family are not exactly known for a history of racial tolerance. I'll just say that there you can extrapolate from that what you want. So that's it for this week here on Spin Class. I, As I said... Shameful, deplorable what's going on with regard to the conversation over vaccination. I think everybody should get vaccinated. The vaccine is our pathway to normalcy. Listen to the doctors. Listen to the science. But if you can't and somehow you still want to choose what I believe to the wrong direction, but you don't always have to accept my opinion, don't attack other people for making a choice when you want to have a choice yourself. And that's the last word. Here on the Nachum Siegel Network, stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week.